0: Welcome to the Botter-Meinhof Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman, expert in most things Botter-Meinhof. We talk about left-wing urban German terrorism of the 1970s, student radicalism, other related ephemera. It is the only podcast devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Bader meinhof Group. And today I wanted to talk about the public support of, of the Bader meinhof group and the perceived support and the actual support. And, um, and this is important for to understand the group because they, they, they their entire game plan was contingent. Their, their game plan for being successful was contingent on this notion that the people or a big portion of the people were inspired by them and were going to follow in their example. I mean in a nutshell they believed that um that Germany was consumed by hidden fascism basically leftover nazis were running Germany which was in fact true and this element of fascism in all of society and particularly governmental society was hidden waiting to repress and attack and and um uh and make the people suffer. And and what their goal was, the Bader Meyerhoff's group's goal was, they figured if we attack the state, this tiny little group, the state's going to come back at us with such giant, reflexive, fascist anger that the people are going to see this and they're going to be horrified. And they're going to start attacking the states themselves. So the government is going to be stuck with because of their overwhelming response to this tiny little challenge the rest of the people are going to see them for what they are and going to attack the state and bring the state down and and usher in glorious glorious socialist revolution that was the theory and um and and, and in fact, they they like any good revolutionary group they would release communiques after they did an action such as say a bank robbery. They wanted to make sure people knew we're not just trying to make money. So we're, we're common criminals. We're doing this for the people. So if they'd rob a bank or something like that, they would, they would release a communicate to the alternative press and, 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 uh, and, and also, um, press agencies. So the people knew that they were doing it on their behalf. You know, they were following the game plan that, that, uh, Carlos Marghella taught them. um, So, so when they began their, their, so from like 1970 through May of 72, they did a lot of low level things in Germany. They were very well known. They were robbing banks. They were getting maybe into occasional shootouts. Um, But essentially their war didn't begin until May of 1972 and this is when they blew up um, some bombs at some U.S. Army bases, at some police stations, at a at a um, at a printing house, Springer Press printing house. And when this happened, the Botter and the rest of the group they firmly believed there was millions of Germans lined up behind them, ready to support them. And the craziest thing is, is they were kind of right in a sense, and. What I'm getting at is a very remarkable poll that was conducted in March of 1971 by an organization called the Institute for Demoskopie Allensbach, the the Democratic um, Allensbach Institute, Institute for Democracy. And um, this is an organization, a public policy organization that conducted hundreds of polls. uh, I think I believe still around conducting them, but they would conduct hundreds of public opinion polls throughout Germany. Um throughout, I, I'm not sure about the 50s, but I know the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and and they're honestly remarkable do- documents to look at. But in particular, in May of 1971, they decided to tackle the issue of the Boder Meinoff group. So they asked two questions, and I'm going to read them. The first one was, have you ever heard of the names Boder, Meinhoff, Mahler? They belonged to a group that had something to do with the department department store arson? And then um, of that, 82% had heard of this group. So then they said, um, so they say, okay, two people are talking about the group here. Which one would you tend to agree with? And the first question was the people in this group may have acted out of political conviction in the beginning, but now they have lowered themselves to becoming simple criminals. And then the second comment, the other person is saying, even though I'm not in agreement with many of the things this group has done, I am convinced that even now they're acting out of a political conviction. So they asked people, which of these more is what you believe? And of the total population, 50%, 51% felt uh, of the people that uh, 51%, 20% hadn't heard of them, 18% hadn't heard of them, but of the, um, of the, of the group of the total population, 51% said, yeah, they're criminals. But 18% said, yeah, I think they're political fighters. And 13% were undecided on the issue. That's kind of amazing because they were at this point doing things that were in many ways, just purely criminal acts or could be looked at that. But a huge part of the population, 18% for sure. And another 13% were undecided felt, yeah, these guys are, These guys are political fighters. Um, It's a questionable question in a sense, because even if you completely disagreed with them, you could still say, well, I believe they're acting out of convictions. I don't necessarily think they believe they're criminals. But still kind of amazing that that, that more people didn't think they were simply criminals. But the bigger and the crazier question is the second question they asked. So this was the question. It was, some members of this group are still being pursued by the police. Assuming that someone from this group would ask you for shelter for the night, would you take him or her in for one night or wouldn't you? So the total population said, 68% said, no, I wouldn't do it. 18% of course, we already know, had never heard of them. 5% said, yes, I would take one of them in for the night. And 9% said, I'm not sure. I guess I'd consider it. And when you think about that, that's astonishing. That's incredible. Let's I mean if you if you want to do hard numbers, that's that's 14% of the population that said they absolutely would provide shelter for terrorists or they'd consider it. That is 8 million people out of a population of 60 million people. It's it's astonishing. And it's easy to see how Bodder and the others thought yeah, Germans are, are a big part of Germany is ready to line up right behind us. Um, so what happened? So they they launched their campaign. They started. They 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 bombed the U.S. Uh, Fifth Corps building um, in uh, Frankfurt. Killed killed a lieutenant colonel. They they bombed. Um, the Campbell barracks in Heidelberg killed three American soldiers. They maimed a bunch of people in um, at a printing pr- plant in Hamburg. And suddenly these 8 million people that they expected to rise up, this support disappeared completely. It didn't, it didn't even it as if it didn't even exist. And it must've been astonishing for Botter. Who's wondering where are all these people? Where's all these people trying to uh, fight us? And it's, in a sense, you can see what had happened. You can you can you can go, you can look at it and go, God, their support was basically a mile wide and a millimeter thick. It was people that were supporting the notion, the theoretical notion of revolution, but the practicalities. Turning on the news and seeing people dead and thinking about and realizing these are fathers and people with children and and wives who are now, their families have been broken apart. Suddenly it didn't seem quite as exciting as just saying, just checking off the box saying, yes, I support the revolution. But you can see how they signed up for that or how they, how they um, supported it in in a sense during that poll. If you think to what Germany was like in the sixties and what a lot of cultures, even America was like, you had um, a university system that that students were leaving that in the 60s becoming, you know, very, very pro-Marxist um, uh, in a sense. And in a way, now we've, um, to to a great extent, we don't think of, well, there's two competing ideologies. There's the Marxism and the communism. For a huge part of the population, we tend to think of um you know, and some of us may disagree with this, but we tend to think of the fact that, well, co- capitalism won, and communism has been fully discredited. socialism is is for the most part discredited. But at the time, these were competing ideologies, and a huge part of the population didn't think of communism or more accurately socialism, Maoist or Marxist socialism, as an experiment. They thought of it as, the clear end result. This is what's going to happen whether we like it or not. It's simply going to happen. And the question is, do we need a revolution to kickstart it to get us to that next level of pure, glorious socialism? But it was a given. It was a given in people's minds. And even groups that now you wouldn't even think of these issues. They were fully enmeshed in that. If you if you listen to interviews at the time, and and you listen to like the Palestinian issue, or the or the um, IRA nationalist uh, terrorism issue in Ireland, or the Black Panther Party, their language it's always talking about Marxism and based on the Marxist precepts. Now we think of these things as religious conflicts, nationalist conflicts, you know, um, urban conflicts and other stuff. But at the time, it was always using this language of Marxism. This was the zeitgeist, and this was what people were thinking. And in Germany especially, Germans are always – they're a very intellectual um, country, and, they're, and the average German was much savvier with the language than maybe in other cultures – and um, and they were very savvy from from their experiences in university and high schools um, to understand these political systems, and they knew to talk the language, and they knew to and and they and they they incorporated it into their thought process. So, I would say if you were a leftist in Germany in the early seventies, you. Generally believed that 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 there was a revolution coming. You gen or or at least you generally believed that capitalism was a dying um, ideology that was going to be re- replaced by socialism. And sure, if a revolution came, you're, you you support that notion. I mean that I can see a big significant or a small but significant part of the population saying that. And then there's this group called the Meinov group. That is saying, we're that people, we're the ones that are gonna lead that revolution, we're robbing banks, we're doing it. So if you're one of these people that generally supports the notion of of revolution, you also know for a fact that that this uh that communi- or not communism is coming, but 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 capitalism is coming to an end, then you're gonna say, Yeah, I support what they're doing until push comes to shove and you see what actually happens and and that's what happened after the after the um after the bombings of May of 72 their support essentially dried up nobody supported them publicly in any way shape or form they did later engender a bit of support among a lot of people but it was rarely p- people publicly saying i support what they're doing their their terrorism what they ended up supporting was the rights of prisoners being from being um, mistreated in prisons and and the crazy levels of um, of, uh, of of anti civil liberties legislation, other stuff that you could generally say supported the group, but nobody publicly was saying, "Yeah, if somebody showed up at my doorstep, I'm going to let them in for the night." It just wouldn't. It just wasn't going to happen, or you're certainly not going to publicly say it. Um, so in the end, it this poll ends up being just this remarkable time capsule. Um, its I don't want to say it was a more innocent time, but it seems to capture this perfectly incredible time period where a Western society had a significant portion of its population that was willing to publicly express support for violent armed revolution that would tear apart its own state. I mean, it's remarkable. and And the fact that this support later proved to be almost entirely illusionary does not change the fact that it was a remarkable pull. So anyway, I, I think I'm going to end with, unlike, um, usually I, I end by by replaying um, uh, the uh, Luke Haynes track, Botter-Meinhof, uh, but today I'm going to end with uh, John Lennon's Revolution from the Beatles because it seems to perfectly encapsulate the same thought process of, uh, of you may say you want a revolution, but when you're talking about violence and other stuff, you can count me out. So again, ciao, thank you so much for listening. And again, if you want to help out on my website, I'm looking for people to help me tag newspaper articles and other stuff. Um, just log onto the website, sign up and, or, or just send me a quick email and, um, and I would love your help. Thanks again. But when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out?